0: You are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. My name is Jeremiah Jones, and I am the producer of this podcast. In this final episode of their series on shame, Candace and Cher process how they are healing from the shame of childhood trauma, from finding the courage to share their stories, to understanding the limbic brain, and finally, trusting the compassion offered by those who've gone before them. Candace and Cher want you to know there is a way out of the lives of shame and into the freedom and healing you've longed for. Listen in today and share this series on shame with those who need the hope of healing from childhood trauma.
1: Hi, Cher. Hey, Candace. How's it going today? Going well. It's been uh, it's been a full morning. Yeah, some deep diving, I guess personally and my own journey, but it's been good. It's been been really some sweet moments with just uh my my own processing and then uh with some dear friends. So, yeah, really good. Well, we just got out of our own story group not too long ago. Yeah. And we all had stuff going on, didn't we? <laughs> we all had stuff. And and that's the reality, right? We don't get to the arrival. I heard somebody say lately, like, is it really about the journey or the destination? And the answer was neither. It's about the people that you take with you. I love that because yeah, it's, I used to think, you know, it was about the destination. Let's get there asap and then i thought well no it's about the journey like let's really enter the process and now i'm understanding more and more like ah it is so much about the goodness of traveling these miles with others who are traveling these miles mhm yeah that's good and we were talking about
2: just how these last few years that we've been intentionally doing that i can't remember the words you used but i think it was the journey has been slow and tender. Yeah, we were talking about that in the context of what we want to process out loud today, which is the healing process of shame. This will be part three in our shame series. Yeah. And I have to say, I've been listening to our own podcast the last two a few times, and I'm moved. I am moved over the work that we've been doing, the care that's been offered to us, the care that we offer to one another, and now the care that we can give our own selves when these feelings
1: of shame come up. It's been incredible. And I I agree with you. It's like sometimes when I listen to the playback, I'm like, oh, did we say that? (laughs) (laughs) And you said the words once, which which I love so much. You said, I am learning and growing from our own podcast. And I like that. <laughs> like we are just so on this journey. And, you know, I, I wish that people could understand how much we are processing trauma out loud as we even do these recordings. We come in with an idea of where we're heading and then we just start talking and processing. And it's been a beautiful slow And tender work that we're doing here. I love it. I just love it. And it's so worth it because it is
2: work. You know, this isn't just about planning a podcast. This is about we're doing the work as we do this. Yeah. One of the questions that I asked you as we were preparing for this was, what are some ways that, or what are the things that has helped and is helping heal the shame that you have you know, felt so much of for most of your life?
1: Yeah. I pondered that a little bit, uh, not very long because we just kind of threw that question out this morning, but I came up with four things that I actually jotted down. The first thing that I think has been so important for me. And I have faced this every time I have brought a story. And I would say through the last two years, maybe I'm thinking maybe a total of seven or eight stories of harm that I have brought to our story group or with my coach or or in a tr- in the training process. And every story I would say has had a level of agony for me. Can I really say this out loud? Can I tell? this story? Can I say these words? And I, I think I really have struggled with finding the courage to tell my stories. So the first thing I said that I think has been really important in being able for me to, to find some healing from my shame has been pressing through the agony and really stepping into the courage Mm -hmm. to tell my stories when everything in me was screaming, no. Secondly, was openness to change my beliefs about my own wretchedness, that I carry beliefs my whole life that I am dirty, I am unworthy of love, that if people see the real me, they will turn away. In in sharing my stories of harm, you know, that feeling that I was too much. As I have shared my stories and heard responses and engagement from, from others, from those who have heard. It's been surprising many times that what they saw in me in the context of that story is not what I saw. The beliefs that I had about myself were so embedded. But when I heard other people offering something very different, I stood at a crossroads, right? Of like, will I stand firm on what I believe is true? Or will I give value to? the words, the voices, the, the opinions, the observations that people are offering people who I have come to love and ex- and respect. So, um, number two, openness to change my beliefs about my own wretchedness. Can I go, can I go back to your last one first? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Let's let it be a conversation.
2: Yes. Well, I, I also am aware that even as you had things about yourself that you needed to bring into the light to hear how somebody else saw you, I'm guessing you, you did have some years that you said you believe those things, but it wasn't your felt experience within your body. You had learned how to like, maybe say the right things. And I believed you wanted to believe them. Mm-hmm. But you actually began to experience like, cause you could always say, oh, I know I'm loved. I know I'm forgiven. Yeah. I know these things. Mm-hmm. And, and yet you hadn't even realized that you hadn't truly experienced that at a body level.
1: Yeah, that that kind of leads me into my both my points three and four. But number my, number three is like another thing that has really helped me heal from shame has been understanding the way that the brain works, mm-hmm. understanding the, the reality of the limbic brain and that we actually hold all of these memories and experiences and sensations and perceptions how i perceived that moment in time to 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 go down that becomes my reality and my truth and so even though like what you're saying is true like i i gathered knowledge in my prefrontal cortex of what was r- true about me but my limbic brain had a very different truth Mm -hmm. And that was what would always win out whenever I felt afraid or insecure or dysregulated in some way. And so understanding the limbic brain has been just absolutely huge for Mm -hmm. me. And then understanding how, you know, these stories of harm, they're all stored there in our limbic brain. Mm -hmm. All of the places that feel real to me from those old stories, that truth wins out every time. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not necessarily true, but it's right. my truth. So understanding the limbic brain, and you and I have talked a lot about this. This has been, you know, just such an important part of our process. How about you? Like, has that whole limbic brain knowledge and experience, how would you say that has kind of impacted you your journey? I think that it has
2: changed almost everything because before, when I wasn't even aware of body sensations, I was just usually, it's almost like getting the rug pulled out from underneath you. How did that happen? Why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why do I keep going there? You know, produced more shame. And so being able to understand the limbic brain for me has meant being able to slow way down and start noticing what happens for me when I feel threatened, I feel scared and alone, and to really bring care to my body, to be able to bring care to just the sensation, whether it's my heart rate or that deep pit that I would feel in my stomach and can still feel, that I'm able to say, Kind of like what you said. Oh, I, I see you. Mm. Yeah. I, I understand that there's a reason why in this moment you're triggered and you're back into this place of feeling like you're alone and you have no help. Yeah. And so it, it leads me into my three things that I named that has helped heal the shame. And that is first of all, compassion, just compassion. And I want to just I'll add on to that and the deep kindness of meeting people who met me in that place, Mm -hmm. staying with me long enough that I could trust them. And then being able to do that for myself.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: I, I never stayed long enough or felt like someone else could hold all of it. And so there was never the, the process, which we would call that leads to integration, mm-hmm. where you start moving into more spaces of wholeness using your left brain, your right brain, the top down and the bottom up. That I realized came from people that could just understand. These are people who've gone before us, so they understand the process, so they, they don't look away. It's not too much. And they don't judge. Yeah. And when, when I was realizing like, wow, these people really understand they're not just putting in time. They're actually not even doing it for themselves. So as you know, we always get blessed on the other end. They are doing it because they know what it means to suffer in these spaces and they feel called to help other people in them. And that that's how my shame is healing. Mm -hmm. It's also how I recognize sometimes when like, I'm very sensitive to when I realize that someone doesn't understand. I mean, we just had this conversation. Yeah. There's a part of me that wants to defend Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm learning, no, you don't have to defend your journey.
1: Give them grace, even that they don't understand. Yeah. I shared a story this morning that I'm um, I wasn't really planning to share it here, but I think I I would like to. So last week my grandsons were here, and we have uh, you know one of those swing sets that has like the platform, and a lot of times they pretend that it's a food truck. So my my six year old grandson, you know, he he says. Today, my food truck is a rotten food truck. And, you know, he, he called across the yard to me. You know, they, they, they call me BB. And he said, Bibi, do you want some rotten food? <laughs> and um, I said, yes, I would like a bowl of rotten fish eyeballs. And he just burst into laughter. It was so delightful. Mm. I loved just watching him laugh and and enjoy that moment and and I was sharing that story with you know our story group then on Friday and as I shared it, I just started weeping and I recognized that in experiencing that delight with him, I also recognized the grief of just the loss of my, innocence in childhood that I missed that, you know, and that I carried heavy adult burdens. And then later in the day on Friday, I I happened to be with a group of people and I shared that story again, you know, that about what happened on the, on the food truck. And it was interesting as I shared the story, one of the people literally turned their body away from me. I, I just noticed that they, it was like a, a visceral reaction. They just immediately turn their their body away from me. And it didn't strike me so much at the moment, but then later I I just noticed that my heart was kind of aching and that I felt a deep sense of loneliness. And as I began to process that and just listen, like you said, just really slow down and sense what's going on in my body. What am I feeling in my body and tuning into, you know, my wounded, you know, inner child. And I really sensed this despair coming forth from her, from my little girl. And because I recognized the sensations in my body, and because I slowed down, I was able to just wrap my arms around her and hold her close and bring her comfort and speak truth over her and let her be like I'm, I'm still in that position right now, where previously, I think I would have felt something in my body, And it would have been a sense of shame Mm -hmm. and I would have had to shut down or distance myself from that in some way. But now my response was so completely different that Mm -hmm. I could really slow down and really tune in and really be gentle Mm -hmm. and then share it with, you know, our story group this morning of, of friends who just wrapped their arms around me even more, you know, and so I am experiencing even through this situation, rewiring of my brain, I am experiencing healing from places where there was so much shame in the past. And yet now I am able to, in a context of compassion and kindness and understanding, like Mm -hmm. I can bring it and be met with such goodness that helps me heal even more.
2: Yeah, and I want to say that what you did and are doing is really going through the grief process. Mm -hmm. And you're doing it in a way that is helping you move through and heal, as opposed to judging yourself for feeling that again. Yeah. Or another voice saying, okay, shouldn't you just be over this by now? And I get it. It's hard. We don't want to slow down. We have things to do, people to see, places to go, right? Yeah. And yet, how many times if we're doing that, are we just powering up and trying to cover up voices of shame instead of really doing the work of healing and growing? And I want to say becoming more compassionate. Yeah. Because suffering, suffering will
1: awaken
2: us to deeper places of compassion or it will send us into hiding and resentfulness and and really just hardening our heart, but you're choosing not to do that.
1: Yeah. And I love what you're talking about here because there's this huge misunderstanding that if I slow down and if I go to these places, I will never emerge or I will not be able to do my work or I won't be able to take care of my family, whatever. And the truth is, is that when we are beneath the constant weight, burden, suffering of shame that is robbing our creativity and our vision and our dreams and our our hope and our playfulness and our and our energy when we are living beneath the weight of shame we are not functioning at our optimal levels at all mm-hmm. so slowing down for a little while and going to these places what comes forth is 10,000 times more 10,000 times better in just every respect. Mm-hmm.
2: Well we're we're getting into the idea of what's real, real growth, real healing, real being set free from shame as opposed to all the ways that we either try to power up or we go into ways of hiding and coping. So both ways have pain, right? Yeah. But one way is leading us out. Yeah. And one way is leading us into the ability to actually hold both joy and sorrow. Mm. The reasons we feel shame are, are there is sorrow involved in that. So much. Yeah. But
1: healing means that we open up
2: spaces to also know that there is joy.
1: Yeah. And you and I have talked a little bit about, you know, just how the seasons in nature, we, we can also really put them into a kind of a healing paradigm fall is that that time or that season when, you know, it feels like death and dying. It feels like, you know, loss and grief. And, you know, and then we go into winter which is like the the, the agony of we waiting. have lost, Wait, we have lost. And now we are waiting and it doesn't feel like it will ever end. You know, I'm from Minnesota. It truly feels like it will <laughs> never end. But then when we go through the, that that season, it's like all of a sudden we start to get these surprises of new life. We, we start to get these hints of joy and of hope and of creativity. And then so we're kind of springing forth into newness of life again. And there's like, there's this part of us that's being resurrected from, you know, the the grave of winter. And then we go through that season of summer where there's fruitfulness, you know, there's productivity, and it's good, and we rejoice. And then right when we think that we will be there forever. Fall creeps in upon us again. And you know, we we go through these cycles, you know, over and over throughout life. And there's no predicting how, how long it will take, how hard it will be, how how long we will last in each season. But the reality of nature shows us that it always keeps moving. We if we will go into these places we will move through and we will come up into some newness in ways that we could not even have predicted.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a beautiful place to just wrap up a little bit and, and say there is a way to come up out of shame and and to heal from shame. That doesn't even mean that we won't feel shame at times. It just means that we won't allow shame to lead us. We won't judge ourselves or others. When moments of shame do come back up. Yeah. We just know that there's a process that involves deep kindness, sincere curiosity, and so much
1: compassion. Yeah. And I want to just say to our listeners as we close like, we're talking about shame because shame blocks love. Mm-hmm. And the best thing in the world is when you begin to experience love in the deep, deep places of your heart and soul, like there's nothing better going to these hard places is, is so worthwhile, even though it is hard and it is unknown, but it is good. Yeah, it is good. Good to be with you today. You too, friend. I'm glad that I am on this journey with you. I am so glad to, I love you. Love you too.
0: Thank you for listening to processing trauma out loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media. Like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. Music was created by Caleb Paxton, and our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Story LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon. Take care.